The science says that unstructured play is great for building this feeling of self-awareness and discovering your passions. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 380. Today, we're talking about the power of play with Anna Udina. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back, my friend. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button so you don't ever miss any of these great episodes. And if you get some value from the podcast, please do me a favor, go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We only have like 27 on Spotify. Leave us a rating and review. It helps the podcast grow more and just takes like 30 seconds. I appreciate it so much. It, It makes a huge difference. So thank you, thank you, thank you. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Anna Udina, who has been leading the nonprofit Genius of Play initiative to educate parents and caregivers about the benefits of play and provide families with fun and free resources to make play an important part of every day. And I love this because I've been a little bit obsessed with play, I think, recently. Just it makes me so sad to see the lack of time that kids have for play. We talked recently about the power of outdoor play with Angela Hanscom in episode 375. So make sure you listen to that. And we talked about it in episode 373 with Peter Gray, the research on play and learning. So there's so much there. This is so important. We're going to talk to Anna Udina about it as well. Anna reminds us that there is absolutely no substitute for free, unstructured play for kids. And we as parents really have to protect that time. And we also talk about what toys, what toys are the essentials that your kids need. I know you're going to love this episode. So join me at the table as I talk to Anna Udina. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to Mindful Parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful Parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child, no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. 
set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward, and build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Okay, I am so thrilled to talk about play, and I'm really excited to talk about ways we can encourage kids to have screen-free play, and so we're going to get to some of those ideas with that, but I know now that things are really different right now than they used to be with kids, probably when you and I were little or whatever. I mean, I what I see now, I mean, kids have a lot less time to play now than they used to. Is that correct? I think you're right. Kids are busy. <laughs> Everybody is busy these days. And there is this thing called overscheduling, which is something that happens to a lot of families, you know, because there's so much to do. There is school, there's work, there's social activities. There are a lot of structured activities. So a lot of kids participate in organized sports, for instance. They take dance classes. They take language classes, math. You know, there's all those enrichment and extracurriculum activities. And those are fantastic because they allow kids to do something extra and meet other kids and explore and learn. But, But the important thing to remember is balance. So... I always go back, and you will hear me say that a lot, going back to that idea of balance between structured and organized and something that's more like work and what we call play, right? And what is play? Play is usually unstructured. It is spontaneous. It's fun. It's something that that a kid just wants to do. You know, it doesn't have to be planned for. It does not have to have a specific learning goal, So that kind of free exploration, imagination, creativity is also very, very important. And, you know, the types of skills that kids build from that kind of play are a little bit different from what they would learn in a dance class, let's say. And you're right, you know, we are seeing that because kids are doing so many other things and, you know, school demands and everything that unfortunately sometimes is just There's no time for play, you know, by the end of the day, it's like you've done your checklist, you've done a lot of things, but have you actually played? Have you had that downtime, you know, to do something just for fun? I mean, so it's, it's interesting. It's like, you know, you work for a nonprofit that promotes play and it seems like crazy that we should even need that. You know what I mean? Like that, I mean, because play is something that all mammals do, right? Like uh, little lions are playing in the savannah, like kittens and puppies are playing, like squirrels. I saw these like three squirrels outside my window going crazy playing. Um, So we're seeing it like in the whole animal kingdom yet we're kind of uh, you know just to 
you know, we're, we're, we're taking that time that kids need to play uh, away from them and they're, they're missing some important benefits. And I think this is important to just kind of underscore. And this is so interesting. And I'm sure you probably know about what's his name, Stuart Brown, who did like the yes. play histories of all these, these people. And so Stuart Brown Absolutely. did this research of all the play histories of like 6,000, I don't forget what it was like, and then, and then all of these serial killers, which was so fascinating. Yes. And he found out that the, the one thing they all had in common was that they were not allowed to like do unstructured imaginative play as a kid. It was so crazy. So maybe you can talk to that. And then what are, what are some of the benefits that, you know, our kids really need from this unstructured play? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned Dr. Stuart Brown. So he really is an authoritative researcher of play. And what he did, he looked at incarcerated um, people, people who committed those horrible crimes, and he reconstructed their childhood memories and their childhood histories, like you mentioned. And what he found was that one common element was they all had this play deprivation, so what he said that the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is actually depression. So um, the evolutionary importance of play is complex, but it also is simple. So basically play is how kids are wired to learn and not only learn, but also develop social connections and develop emotional skills like empathy, right? Uh, when you think about people who commit those horrible crimes and we read about their psychological profiles, a lot of times what they have in common is they lack empathy. What is empathy? They're not able to relate to other people, to understand their feelings. That is the problem. And that is exactly the kinds of skills that kids are learning in play. So they may not be learning necessarily that two by two is four, but because a lot of play is happening in social situations with other kids or with other adults, and it is extremely important to understand how your play partner is feeling, what they're going through, mm -hmm. and relating to people mm -hmm. through play. In fact, you know, on the subject of empathy, I want to mention a groundbreaking study that was done by Mattel uh, about two years ago, and it studied doll play specifically, so kids playing with dolls. And the study was super cutting edge. They actually used neuroscience, and they scanned the, um, the brain activity of the kids who were playing with dolls. And what they found was that the same areas were activated that are responsible for the development of empathy. So when kids were playing with dolls, you know, even when they were playing on their own, you know, let's say there is no other, you know, kid in the room or adult. It's just, you know, playing with your favorite doll. But kids were developing. They were activating the same regions in the brain as we use to develop those feelings of empathy. So that just goes to show that play has this very deep evolutionary importance, even on the neuro neurological level, you know, it is happening literally in our brains. It's so fascinating because you think about like what we've been programmed to sort of push on kids, right? Is like learning like literacy and, 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 and learning all these academic skills. But the truth is that 
you know, like you said, you're not learning two plus two is four, but nobody almost needs to know that anymore, you know, because we have computers at our fingertips, um, you know, and some of the most, you know, those kind of skills are actually, you know, memorization skills or the, that kind of, they're actually in some ways like not as valuable anymore. And in fact, the skills that are more valuable are these, are our interpersonal skills. Those are the ones that can't be, can't be outsourced, right? That, that the Absolutely. skill of being able to relate to another human being, the empathy, creativity, right? Like that's incredibly important for the future. That can't be outsourced either, right? You know, we need to, we, that, those are, these are the most important yes. skills that our kids need and they're developed in this kind of play. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned creativity because there was a survey of CEOs of the largest corporations in the world. And basically it asked, what are the most important skills of employees? What are you looking for in the people who are going to work for your company? And the number one skill was creativity. And the reason oh, yeah. probably is, you know, as they say, the world is so complex now, the technology is moving forward so fast that a lot of jobs that people will have to do 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, they simply do not exist today. So, you know, you are sending a kid to school, they're learning two by two is four, they're learning a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, that can all be different in 30 years when they will actually be in the workforce. But one thing that is not going to be different, it's ability to solve problems and to think out of the box and to try different things and to learn from failure. And going back to play, a lot of play, especially free unstructured play, it's that kind of exploration and it's that trial and failure. And I always use this example of you're building a tower, for instance, right? And you're almost done and it's tall and you put that last block, building block, and it all comes tumbling down because you didn't think about gravity, you didn't measure right, or, you know, your little brother runs into the room and knocks the tower over. <laughs> you have to start all over again for different reasons. But basically it demonstrates that a lot of times we fail. We don't achieve our mm -hmm. goals at the very first attempt. And if you look at how kids play, there is like this constant trial and error. There is constant, let me try this. Oh, okay. It didn't work. It fell. Why? What can I do differently? And the good thing about play is that it's kind of like this risk-free zone. So you can try as many times and fail and learn as many times as you like. You're not going to be penalized for that. It's not an exam. So a lot mm -hmm. of what's happening in schools, and you mentioned that, you know, there are test scores, there are certain memorization things that are supposed to happen. There is like very specific knowledge and answers, let's say, that kids are supposed to know to certain questions. So that can be very stressful. And that is also, you know, there is one question, there is only one right answer, right? So on a test, it's either this or that. If you take a multiple choice, it's either A, B, and C. It's not either or or all of them. But in life, a lot of times to solve really complex questions at work, in science, in art, you know, in pretty much any area of life, the answers are not so straightforward and you have to try different things and you have to have this 
resilience and creativity. Let me, okay, this didn't work. What else can I do? How can I try to approach it from a totally different perspective? And those are the kinds of things that happen naturally in play. It allows kids to unleash that creativity and really try those things in a risk-free zone that they're comfortable uh, comfortable doing those things, unlike in school or, you know, on a test, right? When when you can get penalized for getting the answer wrong. <laughs> I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It is really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. Yeah, yeah. Or even, you know, these things you mentioned, like uh, this trial and error, failure and innovation, and then even like going back to empathy and things like that, like those, we should also mention that those are things that 
don't happen as much, right, in structured play. So sometimes we think, oh, it's like safer. It's a better bet for my kid to be in like a, you know, a little soccer league or with a, a play that's structured by an adult. They think people think that's safer because maybe kids won't get in as many arguments and the adult will be there to figure things out or anything. But there's there's some things you're missing in that kind of structured environment that that are coming through right in free play that we should I want to just underscore absolutely yeah absolutely and I always again go back to that idea of balance you know structured activities are great and there is a lot that kids can learn from team sports and following the rules and you know knowing Mm -hmm. that structure is important and um, how to navigate those group dynamics but the unstructured play is especially great, well, for creativity, but also for building that feeling of independence and being able to figure out what you want to do, how you want to structure it, what, what it is that you want to achieve. So kind of like those really important, I think, self, um, self-organizational qualities, self-direction. What, what I think mm-hmm. I'm trying to say is mm-hmm. the self-direction, right? What happens, um, mm-hmm. I think, when kids are constantly in activities that are organized by adults, sometimes they lose that sense of what they want to do and what, what is the direction that they want to take because everything has been organized, have, everything has been pre-planned. But in life, the truth is that ultimately it is up to us how to structure our own path. What kind of career you want to pursue? What kind of education? What are your passions? What are you interested in? Your mom and dad, they're unfortunately, as much as they love you, they're not going to be able to answer those questions for you completely because the answer needs to come from inside yourself, from your knowledge of yourself and knowledge of your passions. And that can get lost, unfortunately, in those structured activities where you constantly shuffle from this thing and that and everything is predetermined. Uh, so the science says that unstructured play is great for building this feeling of self-awareness and discovering mm-hmm. your passions. And what do you really like to do for fun, right? That is, that is a very important question to, to answer. And we know that The biggest success in career and in life comes from that convergence of your passions and what you truly enjoy, and then the opportunities and the training, you know, and all the formal hard work that you invest, you know, into becoming who you want to be. But without passion, without truly, truly loving what you do, it is very hard to achieve success, no matter how much formal training you have. Yeah, it's interesting. Even when you think about like when I've heard people talk about like intelligence, or or, or um, I was talking to some nurse, listening to some neuroscientists talk about intelligence and thinking about the the idea that you can't, you absolutely cannot measure any kind of intelligence outside of interest, right? Outside of what mm-hmm. you like, what you're describing, passion. Like when we have passion and interest, like we have massive amounts of intelligence in something, right? And that's when we get this sort of drive. It's so fascinating. But one more thing before we get to the screen-free um, activities that we can encourage. Um, what about also, I was thinking, don't, don't kids like play out their feelings, right? Like, isn't this also something, this sort of emotional development is something that's important Mm -hmm. that's in, you know, associated with the free unstructured play. 
absolutely super important. And, you know, I'm sure that you are reading about it as much as I am, the mental health crisis, right, amongst kids um, and adults, but kids especially of all the different ages. So uh, the emotional benefits of play are super important because what you said is absolutely true. Play is how kids process their difficult emotions. They're processing what is happening in their life, whatever they're going through. It may be something... They went to childcare or kindergarten and there was a conflict or maybe an adult yelled at them or they got into an argument over a toy. And that comes with certain emotional burden. And the kids, they would use play to basically process those emotions. So you might see a kid get into an argument with his teddy bear or the two toys had an argument or doll and a toy soldier had an argument. And that would be a way it, it may be funny to look at, but it's actually, it's not funny. It's deep. And it's absolutely important because that allows them to work through those emotions and kind of like develop this self-regulation and also emotional mm. resilience so that they they know how to respond to those kinds of feelings the next time that they experience those kind of emotions. So emotional benefits of play, super important for that healthy mental development and emotional development. And that's one side of it. The other side of it is just the stress relief and the outlet that play provides. You know, a lot of play is happy moments, it's laughter, it's active, so kids are burning calories and also burning stress away. So balancing play with sit-down activities, with schoolwork, with structured activities is also important because otherwise you're not providing the stress relief. So things are building mm -hmm. up, but they're not finding an outlet. So, so there is that as well. It's processing emotions, but it's also just giving, giving you, yourself an emotional outlet through play. Yeah. Yeah. You got to burn that off <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it um, works. So I, I do it all the time. You know what? I've had a bad day. I go and I take a class, a fitness class <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, and I move, yeah. I dance, yeah. I, you know, whatever I do and it, it helps all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I'm totally with you there. Um, so we know that we don't, really you know there's a whole bunch of like there are some like great like creative games kids can play online and you know we don't really need but i feel like we don't really need to encourage our kids to play those games like they're they're going to be pulled into that you know through their friends and all those things but we do want to have like fun ways to for to encourage kids to get out of our houses like our house the insides of our houses are way too interesting at this point, unfortunately. So I wanted to talk to you about ways that we can encourage some screen-free play. And maybe we could like kind of go through some different ages. Does that sound good, Anna? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. this is exactly what the Genius of Play, the nonprofit initiative that I that I work for, uh, this is what we're all about. We are about encouraging screen-free play for kids of different ages. So, and the age is exactly how we approach that. So on our website, all the play ideas and activities, they are organized by different child ages and also by developmental benefits because there are actually six, physical, cognitive, social, emotional, 
creativity and communication. So different activities stimulate different kinds of uh, benefits. A lot of them are going to tap into more than one. So if it's physical, it does not mean that there is no social component in that, for instance. But it's always good, you know, when parents are selecting activities, if they want, for instance, to stimulate that emotional development in their child, then we have activities like emoji bingo, for instance, or emotional animals that you can play with kids who Mm. are little. And that is a good example, actually, for, I would say, like starting with three, between three and six, um, basically taking an animal and imagining that that animal is experiencing an emotion. For instance, imagine the bunny is sad. Could you show me a sad bunny? And the kid is like, okay, try and (laughs) imagine what a sad bunny would look like. And why is the bunny sad? And having those conversations in a playful way uh, and in a mm. way that kids uh, that kids can relate to. They all love animals at this age. They all love their bunnies and bears and <laughs> other animals. So that allows you to have those conversations and for kids to explore different emotions and even think about, okay, well, what makes them sad as opposed to what makes them happy? And that is the beginning of that empathy, right? If that mm. makes me sad, If I do this, will it make my sister sad? Would it make Mm. somebody else sad, right? And that Mm -hmm. is a great way, you know, around five years of age, four, five, six is when kids are actively developing those emotional uh, abilities. So that is a great activity to have with them at the time. And that's just one example. And that, that can be done inside and outside. You know, I know you mentioned outside. We have a lot of games for outside. Some of them are really classic, like bubble blowing games, for instance. And that can be done with kids of mixed ages, I would say. So if you have a family of several kids and one is three and the other is eight, they can all participate and have fun. And we go beyond just blowing bubbles. Well, we give you a recipe for how you can make your own bubble mix. Uh, And that is fun for kids to learn a little bit about science. You know, you mix this and that and you can blow your own bubbles, right? And what goes into that? And then we have tag with bubbles where basically it's a spin on the classic game of tag. But instead of touching somebody, you uh, touch them with your bubble. So it's a little bit more more complicated, depending on the strength and direction of the wind that can get into, that can be be a lot of fun. Uh, And there are a lot of activities like that. We have a shadow tag, which is another twist on the traditional game of tag. We have classic games like green light, uh, red light, green light. And then we have activities like action figure float, for instance, where um, you use household objects and you can play inside or you can take it outside to a pool, you know, or any body of water that you have. Uh, Just put water into a tub and you use household objects and kids create their own uh, flotation devices, if you will, you know, little boats. And then Mm -hmm. it's a competition, which boat can go fastest, which boat is not going to sink, which boat is going to carry the most weight, right? It's called action figure float because we encourage families and kids to use their favorite action figures as passengers in the boats. And there are so many conversations about science that you can have. You know, why is this boat sinking and this one keeps going, right? What is the difference? Are they oh my made God, of you're, different material? You're, 
<laughs> You're taking me back, Anna, because we have a creek near my house. And we, my girls made boats for that. We, they made so many different kinds of boats for that creek. Like it was like we made tons of boats and I hadn't thought about that in so long. And so I really appreciate you helping me remember all the boats. Yeah. And that's, and that's just one example. We literally have hundreds and hundreds of different activities, but I hope that those examples give you the idea of the kind of things that we have. And they're all super fun. You can search by a child's age and you can find something that, you know, there will be a good fit for your family. That's an awesome resource because a lot of times, I mean, a lot of play, right? Like sometimes it's like, just go be bored, right? You know, boredom mm-hmm. is is not the enemy. It's it's okay to be bored. Just go find something to do. It's right around the corner. Like that's okay. But it is can be fun to like have a bunch of ideas ready. So I, I, I like the idea, you know, dear listener, you don't have to always be your kid's entertainer. But then you've got this amazing resource like the geniusofplay.org website where you can have all these activities that are really fun and can be really open-ended and creative and stuff like that. So I love the classic games like tag and stuff like that. I remember when we would get our kids from the bus stop when they were little, like there'd be a bunch of kids and they'd play some kind of tag. I can't remember. It was like this. They had, it was like, they had all these like variations on it. Of course that we did. They didn't have any TV tag that we used to have. (laughs) (laughs) No bubble, no, no bubble tag. (laughs) No, no bubble tag. But, um, but those are great. I love that. So, but play also can be valuable for us as adults to be connecting with our kids, right? Are there any, um, for that sort of those young ages we were talking about, like three to six, can you think of any of the activities that are great for like, uh, you know, maybe an adult and child to play together to, to have that connecting time? Because a lot of times adults, we, we tend Mm -hmm. to just want to like kind of calm our kids down or sit them down and they need, some, well, they need like that there, you know, there's, there are things like, um, like rough and tumble play, right? Like that we can do with them. That actually is really like positive and connecting. And I'm sure you've got some other examples like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that can be anything, like you said, that can be a physical activity, like hide and seek, for instance, right? Just a basic example. Kids love to play hide and seek with adults because I think it gives them such a boost of confidence when they hide and an adult cannot find them, even if it's only for five minutes. So it can be something like that. Or uh, another great way to engage in an activity with kids is find something hands-on. We have activities like fireworks in a jar, for instance, again, where you mix different components, you mix some food coloring, and you create this amazing, you know, fireworks in a jar. So great activity for 4th of July or any occasion when, you know, when there is fireworks. And again, allows you to spend time with your kid, teach them something, uh, maybe spark their interest in science and mixing things together. So you never know how far that can go. Um, So activities like that are great. Board games, card games. uh, We have rules for go fish, for instance, on our website on thegeniusofplay.org. It's an old card game, but there are a lot of rules. Marbles. That's one of our very popular activity. How to play marbles? So really, a lot marbles. Of My girls love goldfish, but I, I've I've always wondered how marbles was played because you read about it in books and stuff. 
yeah, it's, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you step by step. We literally wanted <laughs> to put it up on the website because there are, there are many variations and yeah, definitely oh, okay. you can make it simple or you can make it a little bit more complicated so but uh you know we analyze what kind of activities uh people are looking for and actually a lot of people are searching for marbles which is why we added it to our website hey there i'm debbie reber the founder of tilt parenting and the author of the book differently wired the mission of tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. That's cool. Yeah, that's so cool. We can go and play marbles. Well, kids will be yeah, like and trying goldfish to collect and, uh, biggest uh, marble. Yeah. Go Go fish, definitely. Yeah, my girls played a lot of go fish. Mm -hmm. They loved they loved playing go fish. It, it's a classic. And I have to say, um, hide and seek. So actually, we were recently um, vacationing with a friend of ours, in, and um, we we're staying in their family house, and we played a game called, which is like a variation of hide and seek called beckon. And the, the adults played, the kids played, and there was, uh, there was someone who was it who searched and someone, and the kids are older, right? Like they're like 14, 14, 12. Mm -hmm. And, and there was someone who was it, there was a, a, like a prison and the person who was it, if you, they found someone, they brought them to prison. But then if, when the person who was it was out searching, someone else could beckon them out of prison they could like look at them and like wiggle their little finger and pull them out of prison so it was like this whole like elaborate game where we were like running around this house and pulling each other out of prison and it was so fun and I hadn't played something like that in so long and it was really like this 
great stress reliever. Nobody mm-hmm. like watched a movie that night. We all just played Beckon until you know, we were exhausted. We were running around like crazy. It was great exercise. <laughs> so it, it, it can happen it with teenagers too. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so do you, it, it, what other ideas do you have for the older kids like that for the older kids uh we are i was gonna say we are one of the trends that we are seeing in play is actually called kid alts kid adults so it's a combination of a kid mm. and adult somebody who is not a kid anymore but is really interested in playing and Within that trend, what we are seeing, we are seeing a lot of games, definitely, but games that have sort of like adult themes, something that you would not necessarily play with a five-year-old just for the type of questions that they have, whether they're trivia-based or it's an original game, Mm. but basically adult-oriented, but something that a group of adults can do together and probably can even do virtually. You know, we saw a lot of game nights happening virtually during the pandemic, for instance, as people were looking to continue those social connections and, you know, continue to benefit from play in some shape or form. So definitely a lot of games. Another direction is collectibles. So a lot of adults are collecting their favorite characters, for instance, Star Wars. So a lot of kids who were very much into Star Wars movies as they were growing up, now they are adults, but they are collecting the figures. A lot of time they could be life-size or big figurines. They're going to shows that are for fans of those types of movies. They are interacting with other folks that are into this kind of stuff. And Star Wars is just one example. So a lot of collectibles, definitely. Oh, and finally and I think building. Dungeons yeah. and oh. Uh-huh. Dungeons and Dragons Final is having building. a resurgence too, isn't it? Yeah, oh, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the building, you know, if you look at um what Lego does now, you know, in the products and the building oh, yeah, sets, yeah. a lot of them are actually not for kids. You know, they are building sets, but by the colors and their visual aesthetics and the themes, you know, you see that they're more geared towards adults. So um, building and doing something with your hands is definitely another kid adult activity that is very popular. Okay, so we've got the adults covered and we've got the little kids covered, but what about <laughs> in between? Our teenagers and tweens are like, you know, they're doing a lot of Minecraft, they're doing a lot of online stuff. What are some things that we can, you know, lure them outside or away from screen time to do? Teenagers are all about socializing and making friendships. So I think as much as possible, any kind of team games can be sports-based for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Anything that they can do as teams, competing, building those connections, like the types of games that you know, that we used to play in a camp when we were twins and teenagers, for instance, and we would spend the summer in a summer camp. Those types of things I would recommend for teenagers. So it's all about making connections. It's all about socializing. This is the time and age to do that. And that is absolutely what they would benefit from the most. Plus, those kinds of games are usually very physical. One thing that uh, that comes to my mind personally is the obstacle course. I love obstacle courses mm. and 
I know some families that have teenagers and during the summer, they would organize an obstacle course right in their backyard or, you know, like if it's safe to do it in front on the street, they would do that. I know people who have even closed the streets and worked with their town to close the street and organize a play date. I think there is... In Maryland, they have that annual play day where they close a local street and a lot of families come together and they have all kinds of activities. They have obstacle courses, they have hula hoop competitions and a lot of different things like that. And it is good for teenagers as well as for younger kids. Some of the activities, they uh, they will be great for kids of big stages and you know, I think I think some of those like obstacles and competitions are exactly the type of things that teenagers would actually love to take a part in and show how good they are or or just laugh and show how bad they are. <laughs> it's OK. <laughs> so everybody can have fun. Yeah, because when you're when you're little, like you, you're as your brain is developing a lot more. Right. You need that really need that unstructured play you need that pretend play and all that but like when you're getting into tween and teenage you're not doing pretend play anymore it's just not something you're doing so then those those structured things um that that sounds good I love the idea of like op- making obstacle courses that's that's really um that's really wonderful awesome so for w- what I know um as for as far as like let's go back to thinking about sort of that the a- ages like um you know, preschool and elementary ages. And at least for what I discovered with my girls was that that less was definitely more as far as like kind of the toys and the objects we had around. Like we needed things that I, I and I was totally skeptical of this, like things that could be anything. And I remember reading about um, having like a box of silk scarves and thinking, oh my gosh, that's so like crunchy granola. Sure. My kids are going to love silk scarves, like completely skeptical about it. And then it turns out my kids, those silk scarves became everything. They built everything out of all these silk scarves. They became baby holders. They became bandages. They became outfits. They, they could do, they were the most multi-purpose toy I'd ever seen in my life. So what I've seen anyway in my own experience is that kind of less is less is more as far as like as it can carry a lot of chaos if there's a lot to put away. But so what are you seeing as far as like wh- what are some of the what are some of the essential toys maybe that we should have around and what are some that we should maybe not worry about so much? Yeah. So you're hitting on something really important uh, when experts, when we ask experts, what are the characteristics of a good toy, right? What should parents look for when they're looking for toys? So overwhelmingly, they say it should be open-ended. And what it means is exactly what you said, that a toy can be played with in, in a large number of ways. So there is no like one way to use it. 
Because if there is only one way to play with a toy, a lot of times what happens, a child gets excited. And then once they figure it out, they're like, okay, well, that's it, right? So they lose interest and they mm -hmm. just go to something else. So those scarves, those silk scarves are great because they can be anything. Absolutely. They can be a skirt. They can be a flag. They can be a hammock, you know, for, for your favorite doll. Absolutely anything. So open-endedness is important and basically to what extent can a toy encourage your child's imagination this is really key uh, can it activate imagination does it invite the child to use their imagination in many different ways so that's what i would recommend uh definitely less and more less is more in terms of multi-use multi-purpose that's why scarves are great that's why you know basic you ask what kind of toys well basic construction bricks and blocks you know things that you can use to build anything right uh not necessarily a certain type of tower but absolutely anything it can be taller one day it can be a castle another day it can be a crib it can be a boat so Uh, basic toys like that are absolutely essential. Uh, anything related to being creative with arts and crafts, you know, colors, um, pencils, you know, uh, paint, <laughs> uh, crayons, uh, those types of things that, that don't require much, but a piece of paper or, you know, maybe it's a surface, maybe it's a mess-free sort of like coloring kit, uh, which could be very helpful. So you don't have to do too much, too much cleanup, but those are great. Um, another popular kind of like open-ended toy putty or slime, you know, or mm. any, any kind of compound, something that you can mold with your hands. And there is another added benefit, obviously it's creativity, imagination, but also you're working with your hand. It is a so-called multi-sensory toy that involves more of your senses. It's not just, um, touch but it's uh smell and you know the texture mm. so a lot of senses are working as you are playing with those toys so those are great absolutely and then basic basic toys like dolls and action figures and little play sets with um furniture clothing dress up you know again kind of like I'm talking components, right? It's components of your play. So you can use a doll in any kind of story you create. You can recreate any type of your favorite superhero movie with the action figures that you have. You can have a classroom situation with your stuffed animals. You can give them a math lesson or a reading lesson, which is a lot of kids love to do that. You know, they use their stuffed animals and dolls as Uh, little students and you know they are the teachers so those types of toys are fantastic because again you can use them in so many different ways and they almost become like actors in your child's movie and the child is the director of that movie the director of play yeah I guess it's like a great sense of autonomy um I can totally remember doing that with all my stuffed animals <laughs> <laughs> <Being your teacher. laughs> yep. Well, Anna, 
<laughs> it's been so great to talk to you. Um, listen, dear listener, you should definitely check out thegeniusofplay.org. They have so many great ideas. You're going to love this resource. Um, it's so great. Is there anything we missed, Anna? Any final words that you want to share before we wrap up? Yeah, you know, we have been in the pandemic for the past couple of years, and a lot of parents, a lot of families had more time than usual, and a lot of them rediscovered play. We saw that by the amount of traffic to our website, and parents were really looking for things to do with their kids. So now the world is going back to normal, and things are opening up. And as a result, it's good, but also families and kids are becoming busy again. So my final words would be, again, going back to that idea of balance and the importance of play as you're getting busier, as kids are going back to school and you're going back to work and the weekends are packed and scheduled with exciting things. That's all great. But just remember that there is absolutely no substitute to free, unstructured play. And it is an important part of your child development in addition to everything else that they do. So remember that balance and remember to make time for play. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Are you inspired to protect to play now? I hope so. Yay. I, our kids need it so much, right? I think that the more we spread the word about this, the better. You know, it's just, let's protect this time for our kids. They're losing it. So let's spread the word. Help me spread the word. Share this episode. It's a really easy way to help protect kids' play and to kind of put it in the zeitgeist and put it in our culture that, you know, this is valuable and important is to just spread the word, right? And an easy way to do that is to share this episode. So share it on your Facebook, on your Instagram stories, take a screenshot, tag me in it at Mindful Mama Mentor. I would love to see what your takeaways are. If you're inspired by this, you know, that means the world to me when you let me know what you're thinking about the episodes. And if you want to support the podcast, please support the podcast. Please leave rating and review. It is like the number one way. Leave it on Apple Podcasts or leave it on Spotify. Both even better and, and share it around. And, and we're changing the world, right? As more and more of us talk about these ideas, gather around them, support them, it makes such a difference. So thank you. When you do that, you're getting into the holiday season update on me. I am able to stand without my crutches now, but not like all the time. So I'm kind of, I'm going to be back on my crutches to do a holiday evening tonight with my family at There is a Place nearby us that we love so much. We get a membership for called Longwood Gardens and it's like so beautiful, 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 like world-class arboretum. I highly recommend it if you are in the Delaware Valley area. I hope that you, whatever holiday you're celebrating, I hope you're enjoying it and not letting go of the things that are too stressful, that aren't worth it, giving yourself permission to have some ease during this time. I invite that for you. And I I wish you a beautiful week. I thank you so much for listening. Listen, the Mindful Mama podcast coming up 
We have just a few episodes left in this year. Next week, we'll have the best of Mindful Mama 2022. So you'll find out what are the most popular episodes of this year, the top five. And then next year, we have some amazing guests, some big guests coming on the podcast that I'm super excited for. We're going to be learning so much. So I, I, it's going to be a, an epic year for the podcast. I'm so excited. So share the word, let other people know about it and hold some space for yourself for some relaxation and ease. You should not feel any guilt for having time to just be you, right? Give your time, your kids time to be themselves, right? To have unstructured play. And you know, we model that. You know how we model? We model that by giving ourselves time to be us, to be like whoever you are outside the role of mom or dad, right? Who, you know, like for me to give me time to be Hunter rather than mom, that's important. And when your kids see you prioritizing time to experience this earth and to just have ease, you, you show them that that's okay in life, right? It's so, so important. So, so give that to yourself and live what you want your kids to learn. Show them that, that they don't have to fill their lives every second with busyness and show them by not doing that yourself, right? By giving yourself some ease and space. And I will see you next week, my friend. Thank you so, so much for listening. And I will see you next week. Take care. Namaste. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.